The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market, the opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. The Investment Fix Podcast. Tune in today. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Welcome to a very special edition of The Real Pod. This is kind of like an emergency episode based yeah. in 2004. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very special episode. It's a very special episode. It's, it's, look, it's your story, Alex. Well, oh. I'm so excited to be oh. doing this. This to me is like a, like, like it's a, we're talking about the past, but it also feels like a vision of what, what we could do. And all that it took was Alex to basically destroy herself writing her masterpiece. My name's Jane Yee. I'm joined by Duncan Grieve. I'm joined by oral history writer extraordinaire, Alex Casey. We are here to talk about... Day Harmo's song and video, We Gone Right. And why are we doing that, Alex? Well, I've just published um, what has been one of the most fun and exciting things that I've written in a long time, I think. Um, the complete oral history of the song, the music video, the success, the journey. But I did just want to say, all I did was hit record, you know, like truly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my <like>. God. <laughs> The story told itself. This is the story absolutely unraveled, and I don't want this to be anything to do with me. (laughs) It's such a great yarn. Like I I was just, I mean, I think that I am like epicenter of the demo for this. I basically wrote this for um, you and Jane. (laughs) And we love you for that. It's so good. Jesus, it just it's the most transformative piece of writing. If you listen to this and you haven't read it, like I implore you. Like I, I I just cannot stress enough what a what a fantastic and fascinating story that Alex has concocted that I just don't think anyone else would have even thought to assess, let alone drill into and, and so artfully create as you have. It's so good. And also I feel like people would have thought, why bother? That's a silly little thing to write about. But the fact that you did and then all that you got out of it, I that Alex, shows why bother. Exactly. Well, explain why bother because I reckon it's a really good, like, yeah. I mean, a it's a good question. This has been on my long list for a long time and I am actually quite like a psycho purist and I did want to wait for the 20-year anniversary, which is actually next year in <laughs> September 2024. Um, We're Gonna Ride famously came out September 2004. Um, but it was playing in the car. I was driving along Littleton Road in Christchurch and I was like, it came on my FM and it just, I had this like cellular physical reaction to hearing it and I was just like, this was, this was a huge moment. And, you know, to give you context, 2004, I was 13 years old <laughs> and I was living in the South Wairarapa in Featherston. So for it to reach me, you know, we were in the regions. We didn't even have C4. We barely, and I mean this genuinely, barely had radio. <laughs> <laughs> 
But Day Harbour's We Gonna Ride was the first song on Now That's What I Call Music 16, uh. which was my gateway to the world. You know, those compilations were very important to me. And I just remember it being everywhere, even at little old Greytown Primary School, you know, for the rest of that year. So I was just like, it's time. I'm going to call some people. And the entire thing just unraveled and there was so much that I didn't know <laughs> about this song and this story. So it was 23,000 words when you began The Big Cull and you got it down to I think it's like seven or eight. It's it's not short, but it absolutely gallops along like the like the song does. But well, I think what it showed to me was because it's – I grew up writing about music. That was my that was my whole entry into to journalism, and and Jane, who's actually featured in the video, and we'll we'll get to that. But I think the thing that it really brought home to me was just how much story and culture there is in music, and how even like if you think about the cultural memory of We Gone Ride, it's a, of a one hit wonder. It is almost like the quintessential one hit wonder. It is our region's version of like this is why I'm hot. Or, or all gold everything, or one of a million different kind of fantastic hip hop songs that blazed and then vanished. But when you get into it, you realize that this has roots stretching back into the 80s, like that it was actually really formative for the culture and for so many people involved. This was their absolute zenith. And man, you've just, there's just so much in, in this story. It's such a moment. It also just really spoke to a time where, God, and it's, it's literally just. New Zealand Music Month has just started and is like a blah, nothing, right, in 2023. In 2004, New Zealand music was peaking in no small part to the hip-hop movement, but there were lots of pop and rock and indie songs about as well. And it was just like, it was just a huge time that I would never have predicted we'd end up in this position. It felt like it was the beginning of how things were always going to be from here on. And... This song defines that in it, so many ways. It, totally. It feels like the, 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 the peak of something but also the last moment of something. You know, you can see there's really great quotes in there from Adam Holt, who I know quite well, the, the GM of Universal, you do too, Jane, um, about, you know, this was, this was a CD era hit. Mm. So, Alex, like, talk about um, the – I don't know, am I interviewing you? What the hell is this podcast? But, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm real curious about – the things that you discover, what what stands out in your memory now that you've got the thing kind of forged and made? Yeah. Thank you for the question, Doug. Wow, <laughs> what a great question. <laughs> I love that this has become an interview about me. I'm just I so freaking asked curious. for it not to be. Oh, didn't you? Did you? My bad. <laughs> well, look, I know that all the, you know, the media, the context, the tech stuff would all be mighty appealing to someone like yourself. For me, it was all the, I've always loved a factoid, you know? I've loved a factoid. I've loved a little bit of trivia. And there were, like, so many little things peppered through it. Like, I mean, I didn't even know that Dehamor was actually called Sunny Sagala and he had performed under all these different names throughout the 90s and was friends with all these incredible people like Maddie Rice who uh, made the album with Dehamor. Um, he came up with the name Autata Millionaires Club, like just casually in conversation. Jess Peters who features in the video alongside you, Jane, as a cub reporter, you know, she went on to work at Universal and then become this incredible international tour manager. When I got five minutes with her on Zoom, it was because she was being shouted at by Steven Tyler in LA. <laughs> there was just wild. like, I don't Last know. Aerosmith I felt like... tour is kicking off, you know? She's too busy. <laughs> 
And this hasn't really answered your question, but it just genuinely felt like for me, I pulled a single string and just like this entire multiverse of incredible talent and all these people who seem to just be like completely galaxy brain before after before and like immediately after this video just showed up. It's really interesting because I feel like the, um, you know, you think of something like Stereograms Walkie Talkie Man, which also was like huge, lots of press. It was a big moment. It's it was, on an iPod app. It's on an iPod It was old mate, what's his name, who did this amazing stop motion videos. I've forgotten his name. This is going great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and yet, to me... This is the video that when you think if you like you could only choose one big significant video, it's this, you know, this video was the one that really sticks in my memory. And the fact that you've just pulled one string and so many people came to talk about it with so much affection and um, such happy memories just speaks to that moment in time um, and what an impact this had even mm. though we didn't real, necessarily realise it at the time. Because I don't know that you'd get the same response if you tried to pull out everyone in the woodwork for, like, Walkie Talkie Man, even though it's a great video, you know? <laughs> Coming I'm, soon I'm, I'm to the spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm certain you wouldn't. Um, it, but it is – I think it's because – because it was this just kind of just this eruption around it that was bottled in a single song. Like if you think about Decepticons or Scribe or David Dallas or like a whole bunch of the other, you know, uh, the other music that came out around that time kind of, it sort of built up and then died down in, in a kind of a more orderly way. Whereas this just was an absolute explosion, even down to like, they were they were shooting at Britomart when Britomart was just born, and mm. you know, like there were just there were just so many like elements of it that that are just like they just so transported it to that very specific moment in time, and and it's crazy, right? Because it's it's the 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 sixty thousand dollar budget is on some level why you write the story because the mm-hmm. it's just this crazy looking video, and it does feel like it's beamed in from a a, a wholly different financial and aesthetic ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And I'm also like looking at it, going like, I do not know how they made this for sixty grand. Like it seems cheap, but because <laughs> there is so much going on. Including you, Jane. Well, yeah, and, you know, I wasn't paid. And that's the thing, right? Like, in that era, people would would do favours all the time, even for what was. I mean, I cannot stress enough how massive and mind-blowing the 60K budget was in the music industry. Like, the murmurs that went around. Like, we got wind of the fact that someone was investing 60K into this. And that was, like, international artist kind of video budgets it, it was. It seemed implausible, um, and you're right. You look back now and think sixty thousand dollars shouldn't get you everything that it did, and it probably didn't. <laughs> A lot of people probably were volunteering their time, um, but at the same time, it was this ginormous budget. So it was, it was kind of weird. But I don't know. It was yeah. To me, arriving at Britomart that night, cause we were shooting a behind the scenes for the TV show I worked for. It it was just wild that they had streets. Like, mm. you know, mm. nighttime in the city. I feel like it might have even been like a Friday night or something, but it was nighttime in Auckland City. And somehow Chris Graham did some sweet talking with the uh, Auckland City Council <laughs> and they had t- entire streets shut off 
I didn't actually investigate this for the story, but the incoming mayor during this period was serial tycoon Dick Hubbard. Right. I do wonder if there was some, like, you know, <laughs> some contra deal done there, you know, some serial okay. exchange sort of thing, <laughs> so to speak. It did seem like Sunny just popped up, Dehama just popped up out of nowhere. And yet when you read your piece, Alex, everyone in there, like people that we regard as absolute legends of New Zealand hip-hop, are talking about how much of a legend he is to them and was well, mm. well before this. So I think for the kind of like the general public consciousness is that, yeah, like you say, a one-hit wonder, this dude who just decided to have a hoon like and a, a track rapper. got lucky. Yeah. yeah. But actually, he'd been doing the groundwork for years and years and it was a very, it was a very um, deliberate decision to make a, a pop, hip-hop track, to, to mm. be in bright colours while Scribe was in dark colours, to kind of like offer something different. It's um, it's amazing as well because – you listen to it and it's and it sounds like Technicolor. It sounds huge. Like I remember hearing the beat and going, this can't be from New Zealand. Like we had a sort of an aesthetic yeah. and it almost <laughs> felt like there was like technical limitations on just how big a beat could be from here. And then Chong Lee just drops down with this absolute like Neptune's Timberland-like scale, just like everything overlaid to hell. And you're like, what? is this? And Adam Holt at one point says, I think the song was too big. Like it kind of mm. killed the rest of his career. I kind of believe it. Even sonically, it's like w- Impossible no, to follow. it just burns yeah. everything else. Yeah. I mean, that was another factoid. There was something else I wanted to say about Sonny, but first just the factoid <laughs> that Chong Ni got the beat sent to him from his cousin Francis, who now is in the Black Seeds, and that it was like a beat from a, like a PlayStation, PlayStation game. GTA, a GTA PlayStation game that he just built on and built on and built on. And that's just so cool. So gorgeous. That, that stood I have my hand up. Excuse me, miss. That we're stood out to me. Like we're in class. We're so excited. <laughs> we're so excited. That stood out to me reading your piece because I didn't know that. I mean, it may have come up in an interview before, but it was completely scrapped from my memory. But I want to know, do PlayStation know about this? <laughs> They clocked onto it. Did they? Was there any exchange? I think there was. There was no issue like with the song being released, but something that Adam Holt said, which I had to cut for length, which I did think was quite interesting, is he was sort of speculating as to why We Go Ride never found the big success that um, Savage's Swing did in like a movie, you know, yeah. kind of getting a second life, and it was because they couldn't track down the person who wrote that particular beat oh in the God. PlayStation thing so they couldn't get it cleared for licensing so no one else was ever able to use <gasps> it. That is so interesting because I it totally... The, the swing comparison is really apt. Like, that, that's the only other beat to come out of that era that has a similar kind of sonic scale to it. And that was... That's enormous. That's been synced multiple times. That, you know, Savage... That, Savage had a career... Because he could have been a, a novelty rapper in some respects as as well, even though you know he's got that Decepticons connection. But because of that, whereas this, like that, that's kind of heartbreaking to think because mm. you can hear, you can imagine that song playing in all of those like uh, frat pack kind of O's comedies. Yeah, like, and, but again, I didn't really put it in because it was kind of just speculating. I didn't really say they'd been like approached about a bunch of stuff and. You know, there was a lot of talk. Everyone basically was talking about this fluke of the international success, the swing, the how bizarre, and just like you can never plan for that or have a pipeline for that. But what struck me for everything about how interesting this is in terms of like music, technology, culture was just like, was just Sonny's story. The fact that he had been at it for a decade and had given it up like in, in 1999, he was like, you know, he'd had his son 
and he was working in a bakery. He was working in a bakery. He was like, I'm done. I'm retiring from music in 1999 and then got the call in 2003. And he was nearly 30 when all this kind of just suddenly uh, kicked anxious. off for him. I was about to say this I gives know, me hope, like, but then you've dropped in that he was <laughs> nearly 30. I'm like, no, no, it has well and truly washed up. <laughs> but in a way, and he kind of talks about this towards the end, is that kind of made him perfectly primed for this moment because he had been constantly reinventing himself, constantly kind of, you know, hustling mm. and studying. Like he, he's really serious about music and that he talks, like you mentioned, Jane, that he was studying Scribe and seeing what Scribe was doing. And it basically made this active decision to be like, I'm going to do the complete opposite of that. And mm. that's my new character. Mm. And that's Day Harmore, you know? So mm. I was just really moved by that in terms of like, I don't know, this sort of magical uh, creativity kind of a story that he was like, you know, the timing might seem late for people, but for me it was absolutely perfect. And I always knew I could do it and I did it and I'm good. You know, it's it was a, just It's like, like a movie, honestly. It like, is like I'm a like movie. optional. <laughs> oh, I keep saying it's a book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> on Slack and stuff, but it, it's just all the cultural forms. It's such a fantastic um, story that, that you put together, I mean, honestly. Honestly, such nice guys, eh, Alex? Incredible. Chong Ni had so much time for you, Jane. I had Aww. to cut it for length. I had to cut it for length. But, Please God, so. that man loves you. <laughs> I love him too. They, they were fun, and I think when you're working in music and you work with a lot of musicians who are very deliberately trying to play it cool, and and that again it speaks to the fact that Chong Ni was like, I'm gonna write a motherfucking pop hip hop song, you know. Mm. Um mm. let scribe do the cool thing. This is what mm. I'm gonna do. And that carried through as well. Um I, you know, I think that is quite that is his personality. Like he is just an open, affable, funny, fun loving guy. Very humble mm. and just God, just a couple of really fucking great Kiwis. But I mean I because I, I think that there was because hip hop hadn't really had any in any kind of full scene way. We'd had like you know hit songs, we'd had hit singers, um, hit rappers, but it had opera singers. Well, no, I mean, I'm talking about like Shafu and Kinkapisi and so on, who sort of presaged this era. But the the fact that it was a bundle and it was pop, it wasn't yeah. like cool. Uh, even though it was cool, you know, like it, it didn't have that sort of level of kind of um, critical acclaim or restraint or whatever. The, the the fact of this all happening, you know, like that, like it, it just, and it feeling real and it feeling scale, like that, you know, there's references made to the hip hop summit, which I remember attending mm. and just going, what is this? It, it was like a culture just creating itself in front of your eyes and the, and going to like, you know, release parties for like Dirty Records artists and stuff and just seeing them sort of inhaling this moment and realizing that the sort of the the wildest dreams of what they had kind of imagined a hip hop scene to be growing up were like happening to them right now. Mm. Like these these moments are so vividly like I remember them so vividly after after reading this and just like that that's the thing. Like the, these artists who could they had no right to expect it because it had never happened before here. And then quite suddenly there was just this explosion that blazed brightly for like a couple of summers. And and this was the absolute zenith of it. God, there's a moment. I like to remind you of my little dote of when I was sponsored by Converse while I was on Squeeze and I went out to the Converse, you know, factory shop or whatever it was, and they told me that the Decepticons were sponsored <gasps> for 26 new pairs a year. They offered me the same deal. 26 new pairs a year. That's one every two weeks. There's four Decepticons. What? You do the math. It's a lot of pairs of shoes. But that... 
is like the hip hop dream, right? You're getting yeah. free kicks every couple of weeks. <laughs> that is crazy. You were basically a, you were an influencer before there were influencers because you were also on the the smoke free ads as well. No, right? I was on the smoke free ads. Did I was you on never the, make no, them? I was on the depression ads. Oh, they <laughs> all have the else. same kind of moody aesthetic. It was really I wasn't promoting depression, <laughs> quite the opposite. Um, <laughs> Get involved. I was having <laughs> a discussion about join, it. Join the community. <laughs> Sound um, off there the was comments. something else I wanted to say, which again, I dredged up all this stuff from a deep, you know, little dusty tre- treasure trove in my mind. Was all the other songs that were on that Day Harmore album that, like, yeah, nothing came close to We Gone Ride, but there was a lot of singles. There was that Cry Again song that had Tim Finn on it, where they like remixed oh, that yes. song. Yeah, there was um, To the Floor, which was actually quite massive. That was when a big, you re-watched... Was a big song. I'm sorry, I'm just like, I'm, this is all like these songs that you rediscovered when you look back. I'm As you're telling me, I'm like, oh, yeah, there was more than one. Yeah, and, and the, what I like about that is, yeah, they didn't have the same budget for that video, but they knew they wanted to do something big for the follow-up. So they were like, we're going to try and throw the party to end all parties. And there's heaps of celebrities in it. Jonah Lomu is in it. Um, the guys from Nisha Mystic, Savage is in it. And I like that, you know, you could see at the time they were not slowing down. You know, they were just like, let's keep going. Let's, what's going to be the next big thing? And it just so happened that kind of everything crumbled around it in terms of like city sales, piracy. I mean, there's so much else going on, but definitely revisit the other songs on that album because it's, there's a lot of little, little tunes in there and you'll probably know more than you think. Alex, you've done a service to the community. By writing this I've story. done nothing. Again, I repeat, all I did was hit record. Not true. <laughs> I'm just I mean, you, you, you shared this with us. Like, like I, I was cursedly up and on my emails at the time, but it was like after 11 last night. Um, so, I, and that, that is not nothing. You, you took a seed of an idea and you watered it and you gave it sunshine and you let it grow and do its thing. So without you, that would just be in our memories, a one hit wonder of no great significance and now you've you've unraveled and revealed the truth so thank you thank you for your work and welcome everybody so thank real you normal stuff going on in this podcast <laughs> thank you for... this is so weird am i about to get an owens yes yeah. like, we have got the it? same award for you as we do for Go judging the door suzanne paul is there with your little crown <laughs> nah i just know about in all honesty like great story cracking yarn cracking really yarn. good really well good. done Thanks and mostly, we'll... I love it because I was in the video. So cracking you know. song. And did you know Jane was in the video? <laughs> and you still live in LA. Yeah, so, Jane, were you in it? And was it true that you were dating Anna Paquin? I did have to cut that for length as well. But Jane, you did talk, make a funny, have a funny anecdote about how many times you were plagued by that question. Yeah. even though it didn't make sense, like in the world. Of yeah. the, in the world yeah. of the song, <laughs> you were the one demanding answers. I was. And did you ever get them? Never got them, but um, Samuel watched the whole video. Samuel's producing this, by the way. I watched the whole video through, um, knowing that I was in the video, and got to the end and said, were you in that video? (laughs) (laughs) So that's how much uh, impact I made on that, whatever it was, three or four minutes of iconic music television. Literally zero. Anyway, thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this. It was extremely self-indulgent of us because we just all love this and wanted to talk about it. I disagree. I I think this is the new format. Okay, here we go. All right, and we have just about to have a productive meeting, obviously. So thanks thanks for listening. Thanks, Alex, for writing. Thanks, Samuel, for recording. Thanks, Duncan, for your reckons. And we'll be back with regular programming next week. Talo for Lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. 
If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spinoff member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. Kia ora e tewi, te ai he Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.